0: Welcome to the Travelin' On Radio Show, your premier source for travel news and information. Featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, the Travelin' On Radio Show.
1: Hey, hello everyone. Thank you for joining us today on the Traveling On Radio Show, the show that celebrates the responsible traveler. We're your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we are broadcasting from our studio right outside our nation's capital. Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. Well, there's only one nation's capital. That's right. (laughs) But
2: uh, On today's show, we will feature Juneau, Alaska, another capital city, so we want to avoid that confusion. Uh, a unique state capital in the Alaskan frontier. We're going to find out about the glaciers, the wildlife, and the wilderness that makes Juneau an outdoor paradise from Lorreen Palmer, the president and CEO of the Juneau CVB, who will tell us why Juneau should be a must-see. From there, we'll talk to Juneau Mayor Bruce Batello, who will tell us about the challenges of managing a city that's larger than some states and why he loves his city. Finally, Jane Lindsay, the director of the Juneau-Douglas City Museum, stops by to take us on a tour and give us insights into Juneau's unique history and culture.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to that. I love Juneau. I love southeast Alaska. And if you love travel and you're looking for last-minute travel deals or eco-tourist destinations or you want some legislative updates sign up for our newsletter on our website at travelnradio.com that's travel n is a dot radio.com and also join our social networks on uh, Facebook and Twitter and good grief the list is growing but MD. you'll find them all on the website Nestled away in the frontier that is southeast Alaska is one of America's most eclectic places. Alaskan's capital city, Juneau, is a rich tapestry of nature, culture, and a spirit that gives it a unique feel. Lorreen Palmer, president and CEO of the Juneau Convention and Visitors Bureau, sat down with us on our visit to Juneau to give us the inside scoop of this most interesting and intriguing city. Lorene, welcome to Traveling
2: On.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
2: What is the story that you like to share with outsiders about Juneau and why it's such a special place?
3: Juneau has this amazing history of welcoming visitors. Um, Ever since the uh, gold rush days when people discovered gold and came through, not only did the miners come this way, but people who wanted to see what this was all about. So we started welcoming passengers by ship way into the early 1900s. So we have this tradition of welcoming people to Juneau. And I think um, what makes this really unique is the geography of this Inside Passage. It's such an amazing combination of coastal mountains and rainforest and wildlife, all in a relatively compact area. So um, for people who have that legendary vision of Alaska in their mind of snow-capped mountains and humpback whales and eagles, all of that can be found in this little community of 31,000 people hanging between the mountains and the water.
2: Talk to us about the recreational opportunities that are available to people who come to visit the Juneau area.
3: Well, Alaska is an outdoor person's mecca. It is absolutely there are so many opportunities to interact in the wilderness. Whether you like to hike, kayak, bike, walk, uh, parasail off the mountaintops—I mean, we just have a huge variety of opportunities and. And because Juno has such a history as a visitor destination, over the decades, we have developed a really wide array of amazing activities, from zip lining through the treetops to uh, whale watching tours and black bear viewing. so People who are interested in engaging in the outdoors in a safe way, but also making you feel like you're really close to Mother Nature, um, we really offer a lot of opportunities.
2: Talk to us about uh, everything from the performing arts to the visual arts and, and how that really makes you know a very unique place for the visitor.
3: Well, as I said earlier about Juneau has been welcoming people, it actually has been welcoming people far before the gold rush. Our Tlingit Indians who inhabited this area have been welcoming traders um, for for many, many, many years. And as a result of the rich um, environment here, our native culture was able to develop some incredible art skills. And so you can find absolutely amazing silver carving, wood carving, beading, weaving, um, that is just outstanding, and they carry that tradition on today. So in terms of the arts, we also have the Alaska State Museum here, which is absolutely a jewel. I am a museum fiend. I love museums, and I've been to museums all over the world, and the one here in Juneau is, will hold its own anywhere. Um, we also have a really rich mining history here. So we have mining ruins scattered throughout. You'll be walking on a rainforest trail, and all of a sudden you'll just see some looming structure left from the heyday of the gold rush period Um, and then you know our artist community is very um, strong and active we have perseverance theater here we have a symphony an opera so we're really fortunate to have such a wide array of talent tell us about some of the the cultural
1: activities or the activities that you hold throughout the year Uh, that actually
3: highlight the cultural diversity of the city? I would say one of the signature events that Juneau um, is the host for is called Celebration. Mm -hmm. Celebration is held every two years, and it is a gathering of um, the Alaska Native as well as American Native groups that come here to keep their arts and culture alive. And so the event that they hold here is focused entirely on Language and dance and um, cultural traditions. and so it really is an opportunity to to just keep that vibrant.
1: Going back to the mining days, are there opportunities for visitors to do some recreational panning for gold? Because I know our listeners, i'm I'm interested. i want to I want to go find our fortune in the mountains here.
3: <laughs> yes, actually, um Gino's mining history um, is really woven throughout the whole community and uh, we have a mining museum, we have a mining tours. There's one tour that's called the um, A.J. Gaston Mine Tour which actually takes you up into the mining district and you can tour inside one of the tunnels and they fire up some of that hydroelectric equipment. You can just imagine yourself back in the day. Um, There is also a gold panning tour that actually takes you to the original strike Uh, and you can go into that the icy cold creek water that comes out of the Juno Ice Field, which I might mention is 1,500 square miles of ice, uh, so the water that comes out of there keeps you um, keeps is very brisk and very um, yes we say chilly, but um, you have the opportunity to practice your panning skills and uh, and color they call it here color is found um, you that sparkly little gold piece in the bottom of your uh, pan.
1: You get to keep what
3: you find? Absolutely. All if right. you if you land a nugget, you get to take it with you. But uh, Mostly you're probably going to find something that looks a lot more like dust, but it still makes you feel like you've accomplished something. <laughs> um, you know, one of the, the populations that we like to, to serve uh, on our show
1: is, is the uh, accessible traveler. Tell us a little bit about some of the accessible activities or accessible um, uh, events uh, or functions that individuals can experience like the tram which just won an award. Tell us a little bit about uh, what Juno has to offer.
3: Juno is um, because of our and the actual physical structure of our community it's very small and compact which makes it very walkable. And in the case of being walkable we've also worked very hard to make it accessible. So you'll find that um, the streets and the sidewalks, the crosswalks, the signs, the um, crossing, the crossing crosswalks, um are all designed to to be helpful for um, individuals who need assistance in that way. Um, the tram, the Mount Roberts tramway, um, is a facility that can easily accommodate folks with wheelchair um, wheelchair accessible. And um, many of our tours are also making sure that they're providing um, lifts in their buses, for example things that can make it possible for people who are, you know, have disabilities to be able to enjoy their experience here.
2: I want to get a sense from you what the CVB has done to uh, help educate public here on the importance of tourism, on sharing this and responsible tourism and so forth in terms of the community input as well as uh, uh, managing the visitors who come here as well.
3: Over the last 20 years, Juno has, it has um, in, in terms of its cruise traffic, has truly just blossomed we had double-digit growth there year after year, and um, you're you're correct. It did take the community and operate the um, a little bit of time to sort of adjust to what was happening in terms of this part of the economy, and um and I will I will tell you it's been a struggle when you're a town of thirty one thousand people and then over the course of time you have nearly a million visitors coming to visit, and our, the way our streets are structured we basically have one street <laughs> that yes. that drives along the water between the water and the mountains. So it's not like we have a lot of opportunities to build more and more infrastructure. However, um, the community has worked very hard to develop a program called Tourism Best Management Practices. And the CVB is very much a partner with that in assisting, um, facilitating between tour operators and the community to help reduce impacts And clearly one of our um, biggest challenges is congestion because we have a small community with one street. (laughs) So um, we've worked, uh, one of the things that's worked really well for our community is we are, uh, we have worked to, um, with all the tours that we have, it really disperses people. So our main street, it's very much in a district. So if you are having trouble with crowding you just need to get away you only have to walk two blocks and you're basically out of the tourism zone so to speak so on the one hand it, it naturally is solving some some problems that way just because it's very confined but um, our tourism best management program addresses congestion uh, flight scene um, bus traffic um, hiking courtesy there's all there's about 60 different regulations that the the tour operators voluntarily um, utilize to help reduce impact
2: one of your initiatives to kind of help with the community buy-in is, is this network of volunteers that you have supporting, which I understand is one of the largest, if not the largest, volunteer staff of any CVB anywhere to be found. Talk about these uh, volunteers who are really helping to share Juno with, uh, with all of the visitors who come here.
3: We are very fortunate to have a, a, a very engaged community. And we have a volunteer corps of nearly 180 people, sometimes as many as 200, who take time out of their summer to um, welcome visitors to Juneau, answer their questions, give them suggestions and directions. And um, we find that it's one of those hospitality things we're very proud of when we have a local who will take, let me just say that summer is precious to us, mm-hmm. and uh, we want to be doing just about everything except having to work <laughs> in the summer. <laughs> uh, so when I get a volunteer who's willing to give up a couple hours of their week to come down and and uh, work at the visitor center to welcome people, I'm very proud of them for doing that. And uh, they take a lot a lot of pride in um, sharing the community with visitors. So it's something that we feel you know we feel is a really Important part of Juno's outreach to our to our travelers. What are some of the suggestions you would have to really um, get to know the
1: area, even the the native culture, the Clinket uh, culture? What are some of the things that they can
3: that can they that they can do and experience? Uh, Juno is a very popular day port, um, and uh, the the thing I always like to remind people too is we're very accessible by jet as well. If you can fly up from Seattle, every major airline connects through Seattle, and in two hours you'll be in Juno. So, you know, for someone who's thinking the only way to really come to Alaska is do a cruise, you really do have other alternatives. But um, if you're there for the day, I would say some, one of the key things, I always say you must do something by air and you must do something by water. Those are two really important ways to see Alaska. So um, for folks that do have a limited amount of time, going up on the Mount Roberts tram does give you an opportunity to get a sense of place. You get up there, you look out over the Gasinaw Channel, the Douglas Island. You can see the Chilcout Mountains, which right behind is Glacier Bay National Park. You're up in the Alpine. You see the trees, the eagles, the wildlife that's up there. And as well is that it's a Native cultural center, too. So you can see the, um, the movie, the award-winning movie, Seeing Daylight is up there. They often have artists in residence. So you can actually see Alaska Native artists at work at their craft. Um, so that's a really that that covers a lot just right there. Um, I would also recommend if you have an opportunity to do anything with the glaciers, that is a unique experience that most people never will have the opportunity to do. So if they're coming, they should either get a city tour out to the Minnehaha Glacier, which is very affordable and accessible. Our Minnehaha Glacier is nine miles from downtown. You can actually land at the airport and drive four minutes, and you'll be at the Juno, you know, at the Minnehaha Glacier. Um, but there are a lot of other ways to see it as well. And helicoptering up onto the glacier is about a four- or five-minute helicopter ride. You land on the spine of a 3,000-year-old glacier. You get to walk around. It's very safe. It is it is just such a unique opportunity to say that you were on a glacier walking. So those are two really important things I would recommend. And then, of course, getting out on the water to do whale watching and seeing humpback whales do those amazing pirouettes, you know, the breaching out of the water and bubble net feeding is, it's just breathtaking.
2: One of the things that we've been able to enjoy while we've been in Juneau is is fish. Talk to us a little bit about some of those activities in terms of...
3: I would say um, salmon is one of those words you just associate with Alaska. Um, I'm sure our friends on the East Coast would like to say salmon's their thing too, but we're we're grabbing that wild Alaska salmon, and uh, we have a hatchery here that is very involved in um, managing salmon in, in our in our region. And uh, so they play a very important role in keeping the salmon stocks healthy and, and, uh, and um, with the volume that they produce out of there is absolutely amazing. And they, they employ, all, you know, really responsible, this is not fish farming, this is hatcheries where they actually, the salmon hatch, they're released out into the wild and they've imprinted on the hatchery, they come back, so um, there's a world of difference between a hatchery and a, and a farmed fish. Um, the other thing we have, you know, we interact with the wilderness here, and we have black bears around Juneau, so we have a very active uh, management program with black bears and, and how they can interact with us, and so um, managing household garbage and downtown garbage cans are all bear-proof, for example, you, you know, so we, we, we try to find ways that we interact with the environment in a responsible way. And um you know when you look at many of our tour operators who have employed green um green technology they practice um leave no trace types of hiking and operations cuz they're in the wilderness many of our um operators actually the whale watching people will go along the beaches um and during their off time and picking up trash along the coast so everyone's very engaged here cuz everyone who's operating a business here is very careful and concerned about keeping a great product not only for visitors but for ourselves
1: you have some really funny stories about questions that people have asked you about alaska like um, can we mail a, um, uh, a stamp or a card from here or, um, do you accept u.s. currency <laughs> tell share
3: a few of those funny stories with us before we close Well, the two that I can think of right off the top of my head is um, one of the classic questions that always gets asked is when someone steps off off the cruise ship and is standing on the shore, they often ask, what's the elevation here? And uh, you know, you just can't help but laugh. And I think part of it is just, in in your mind, you think you're heading north, therefore you're heading up. But uh, you're actually, I often say, you're about six feet (laughs) elevation because the water, water's right there. So that's always a fun one. And, you know, they're usually always shamefaced. They're just kind of like, oh, of course, I I just got off a boat. I'm at sea level. So anyway. Um, And the other question, sometimes people just don't understand the space relationship of Alaska. It's nearly the fifth of the size of the United States. So they just get confused. And we've had people ask um, things like, well, how do I do the city tour to Mount McKinley? in Which, of course, is outside of Anchorage by a couple of hours, so which is, you know, a two-and-a-half-hour jet ride from here. So, it's, you know, I just think that Alaska is such an immense state that it's hard to get your hands around how big it is, and people just lose a sense of their direction.
2: Before we close, if uh, the visitor wants to, or potential visitor to Juneau wants to learn more about the city, where can they go?
3: Well, we would I'd love for them to come visit us at our website, which is traveljuno.com. And Juno, I know, is a tough one to spell, but it's J-U-N-E-A-U, traveljuno.com. And you'll find all the information you need there to plan a great trip to Alaska's capital.
2: Well, Lorraine, we well, thank you for being with us today on the Traveling On Radio Show.
3: Thank you, and my pleasure.
2: When we return, we will tell you what it is like to run a city like Juneau, Alaska when we sit down with Mayor Bruce Botello. He runs a city that's larger than the state of Delaware in land area, but with only 30,000 residents. You're listening to the Traveling On radio show.
1: And we'll see you after this break.
2: Whether you're traveling by plane, train, or automobile, make TravelingOn.com your first stop. At travelingon.com, that's TravelinOn.com, that's travelin you can get current travel news and information, buy the latest travel book, and find those great travel bargains. Visit TravelinOn.com, your premier source for all things travel. That's Travelin-On.com, and make sure to sign up for email specials and tune into the the TravelinOn radio show each week for a chance to win some great travel prizes.
1: Every hour of every day, an American is diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. MS typically strikes between the ages of 16 and 50 when people are building careers and raising families. Today, there is no known cause or cure for MS. To learn more about this unpredictable disease, to volunteer, or to make a contribution to this important mission, please call 1-800-BITE-MS. You can make a difference by helping us stop this devastating disease. Please call 1 800 Fight MS today. Thank you. making sure the air in your dream home is healthy for your family to breathe. Building a radon-resistant home is easy. Just ask your builder or go to EPA.gov radon.
2: A message from the U.S. EPA. Well, he moved early. That's going to draw the yellow flag.
4: Offside, number 72, five yards.
2: Check out this fan leaving the game. He's headed straight up the middle and right into a sobriety
1: checkpoint. Let's see how he handles it. No, officer, I haven't been drinking. I'm the designated driver.
0: Upon further review, this fan made the right call by being a designated
1: driver.
2: Sign up to be the designated driver at the stadium and always buckle up. You could follow your favorite NFL team to the Super Bowl, provided as a public service by the station and Team Coalition.
0: What would happen if you didn't follow the established path? Would you feel scared or proud? Could you explain that helping the people of Peru improve their own community would also have an effect on your own? Would you rather make your own way? It's been a lifetime saying, What if? Life is calling. How far will you go? Peace Corps. To find out more, call 1 800 424 8580, or go to PeaceCorps.gov. This is the Travel and On Radio Show, bringing you a world of travel news and information. Once again, let's join your hosts,
2: Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. We are speaking with Mayor Bruce Botello the mayor of the city and borough of Juneau, Juneau, Alaska, that is. Mr. Mayor, welcome to Traveling on Radio. Well, and welcome to Juneau. Well, thank you for having <laughs> us. What makes Juneau such a special place?
0: First of all, where it's located. Uh, Juneau is the backdrop of one of the most beautiful uh, uh, places on Earth. Uh, we're surrounded by the Juneau Icefield. It is a 1000 square square area which uh, is characterized by fjords, glaciers, uh, the Inside Passage, uh, which is, uh, I think, fairly well-renowned, dotted with uh, thousands of islands. Um, we are the summer home of the humpback whale. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of other uh, wildlife uh, in, our, in our city and borough, uh, both black and brown bear. Uh, the long and short of it is the first thing that makes Juno special is where it is and uh, and just its natural surroundings. We're a bit uh, um, off the beaten track in terms of where we are on the map, and uh, that means that the people who live here are perhaps a little more self-reliant. There's a real sense of community. And um, um, I think that uh, also shapes the character of, of who we are as a town.
2: Now. Juneau and the borough itself is a very vast area covering 10,000s thousands, thousands of square miles. In fact, it's, it's, it's larger than many states on our eastern seaboard and uh, Midwest. Talk to us about some of the challenges of managing such a vast place that, in, in, in the minds of many, is somewhat isolated, too. Well, we definitely are
0: isolated uh, in in one respect, uh, respect, uh, and that is the sense of uh, our our winter season. Um, we are, as I mentioned, perhaps a little more self reliant, but we're uh, even though we're a large town uh, in square mile wise, we're probably three and a half times the size of L.A. County, for example. Uh, but we have a population of only a little over thirty thousand. It, uh, it would be very few communities that you would find that run an airport, uh, run uh, docks and harbors. We have uh, our own uh, city-owned uh, ski area. Um, we we run a hospital. The long and short of it is people look to local government to provide services that perhaps wouldn't necessarily be provided by any other local government our size in the country.
2: Now, you're also the capital of Alaska, too, and I can imagine that that imposes certain uh, issues for uh, local government as well. And talk to us about some of the uh, coordination issues that have to take place between the city and the
0: state in terms of supporting uh, the capital here. The city has been very conscious of its role as a capital. We're very proud of that status. Uh, Congress actually first designated Juneau as uh, a capital city in 1900, though they Capital itself wasn't established till uh, 1906 but we have a tradition more than a hundred years old and and that means uh, that we're uh, the city has donated land and buildings uh, money uh, towards expanding the Capitol complex in Juneau um, we annually host a uh, um, reception for the legislature um, we are the setting of numerous conferences and meetings that facilitate uh, state government and then on a very mundane matter uh, uh, when it's Snows in the winter and it's a heavy snow. At five o'clock, we're making the decision with state officials and uh, school officials about whether uh, to shut gov- government down for a day. So again, the range of issues uh, of coordination are are uh, legion.
1: Congratulations to you as the mayor of the state capital on the 50th anniversary of Alaska's statehood. Is Juneau planning any uh, any celebrations? To uh, or I'm sure. There have been celebrations going on all year, but are there any celebrations of uh, noteworthiness that are coming up that you'd uh, like to share?
0: We are moving through most of the uh, uh, centennial right now, and we have completed most of the celebrations that will be specifically happening uh, uh, in Juneau. The last major day in in our calendar of celebration for, for Alaska is actually Alaska Day, which takes place on October 18th, and um, there will be celebrations throughout the state. Um, we are the hosts, though, of, of many different uh, annual festivals, uh, probably most notably the uh, Ala- uh, Alaska Folk Festival, which takes place in April. In May, we have the Juno Jazz and Classics uh festival that brings uh, musicians uh, from around the world uh, to Juno. it's a wonderful setting again it's an opportunity for the the community to get out and support both classical and jazz uh, musicians to take advantage of uh, our waterfront uh, waterfront cruises settings uh, throughout the community uh, to hear uh, both uh, informal gatherings as well as uh, uh, small uh, ensembles uh, 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 performing.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that uh, Ian and I have noticed in during our time here is how beautifully green this area is. And mind you, it's raining a little bit today, um, but I know that uh, some of your lake water, I've heard, is drinkable. And so the city seems to have a lot of initiatives that are sensitive to the environment, and as our listening audience knows, uh, sustainability and the eco balance of our planet planet is very important to us. And to talk a little bit about some of the city's uh, green initiatives, um, including, you know, I think what we found really uh, remarkable yesterday in touring the Alaskan Brewery, they have CO2 recyclable programs, So even your your local brewery <laughs> has implemented some uh, some green initiatives. Tell us a little bit about what the city of Juno's Doing?
0: First of all, I think what's, uh, Antonio, what you really highlight is that it's not just a government initiative, that there are numerous businesses that are trying to implement best practices uh, to to deal with uh, our responsibility in reducing our carbon footprint. Uh, One of the things that has heightened, I think, our awareness in Juneau was an event that took place in April of 2008 in which we had an avalanche that cut off Juneau from its hydroelectric uh, supply. And we've been, uh, in terms of clean energy, Energy. Uh, I think probably one of the most uh, reliant on renewable energy. We have a, a, a Lake Tap uh, hydro project that supplies 85% of our, our energy. But when that was cut off, we were suddenly forced to, to use our diesel backup generation, and that increased the cost fivefold. Obviously, the use of diesel uh, uh, means uh, high carbon emissions as well. The community went on, uh, as a result of that um, event, uh, a major effort to reduce its power consumption. And we were able to reduce uh, our uh, consumption at our high point uh, by 32 percent. And it meant people um, taking all kinds of measures, changing out light bulbs, uh, I mean, some of the easy things, recognizing that... Uh, Even when we have things turned off, they're plugged into the wall, they're taking energy and and raising that consciousness. Uh, People uh, doing what their mothers and grandmothers did in terms of putting out the laundry to dry as opposed to using the dryers. And and then some more, um, um, maybe less intuitive steps, but more important in terms of uh, larger uh, uses. We discovered that our own... uh, a water and sewer treatment plant was consuming a major we were the largest single user of energy as a city and, and so that also led us to be promoting in an area where we get a lot of rain water conservation because it takes electricity again to uh, uh, to pump uh, uh, pump that water that's one step we're looking at uh, at street lighting and the need to to change out to LED um or to actually selectively cut off areas that perhaps don't need uh, the lighting or looking at the timing of the day. The one other uh, development that I'm proud of uh, of and which uh, I think um, is a model that could be used in, in a lot of other communities as well is what we call the, the sustainability fund. We capitalized as a local government monies to be used to um, invest in, better energy practices like LED lighting with the idea that it would be a revolving loan. So uh, we provide the money to uh, allow the initial purchase of whatever technology and expect the savings that delta between our old practices and the savings to go back into the fund over at a maximum 10 years so that we replenish the fund it allows us, in turn, to turn around and make yet more investments. So, and our first efforts have been to put in uh, put uh, uh, money into um, uh, ground source heat pumps that will heat our airport, mm-hmm. and the new swimming pool that we're constructing in our uh, Mendenhall Valley residential area, as as two very specific examples of ways that uh, we're looking to be more energy effi- uh, efficient. And uh, most importantly, to to reduce our carbon footprint is one small corner of the earth. Mm
2: -hmm. Now, Mr. Mayor, you you spoke about some of the policies and and practices that uh, uh, the city of Juneau has instituted with respect to sustainability. The isolation of the city, the fact that it's accessible only by air and by sea, meaning that a lot of the uh, uh, goods that are brought to the city are often barged in or brought in, by uh, ship, I understand that that has imposed some particular constraints uh, or challenges with respect to the city's recycling program. Could you speak to some of those things and, and, and how Juno was working with some of the physical constraints that are imposed by its uh, geography to come up with an effective recycling program?
0: We have had to rely, in terms of recycling, primarily in finding outside vendors who are prepared to accept uh, recycled material, either separated or or, uh, unseparated, and uh, particularly with the downturn in the national economy over the last uh, year to 18 months, we've seen elements of the Uh, market uh, uh, declined precipitously so that uh, we were finding that it wasn't cost-effective at least momentarily to um, uh, to recycle. In other words, it cost us more to transport the product out than we were recovering. That might have led the city in the normal course, simply to decide that we were going to momentarily curtail the, the program, but there was a, a strong sentiment both within the elected body and, and within the, the citizens of Juno not to do that. So we were able to work out arrangements to actually store Uh, in uh, various uh, containers uh, recycling so that we could actually time our entry back into the market.
1: Mr. Mayor, you know, despite the current dip in the economy uh, that our economy is taking, um, it's my understanding tourism remains a vital um, source of economic development or development for for Juno. Talk a little bit about the correlation uh, between tourism and, and economic development, and how Juno is faring um, within uh, with its tourism despite the the current climate.
0: Again, yeah, I suspect it is true in any in any community that is a tourist destination that um, we're seeing some downturn. and We expect more. Um, Uh, in the next year or so, uh, in part because such a large portion of our tourism, our visitor industry, is dependent upon uh, cruise ship traffic uh, into the inside passage. And um, we have been told to expect redeployment of some ships uh, uh, from the Alaska market in the 2010 season, um, some 140,000 available beds or berths. That, of course, translates for us in many respects in many different ways. Uh, with that drop, uh, obviously, businesses will have to reevaluate their staffing levels, the kinds of uh, opportunities that will be available. And as a city, um, we need to anticipate lower uh, revenues that are generated primarily by our, our sales tax. The community as a whole has been very supportive of developing uh, public infrastructure to be able to receive visitors, not only cruise passengers, but but also the independent traveler, whether coming by air or um, um, on our Alaska Marine high, Highway System. Um, and, uh, and that's a recognition, I think, already of the significance that tourism plays in our economy. We are, given our location, a northern destination, primarily covering the the shoulder and summer um, months. So for some businesses, it's a year-round adventure. And clearly, even in the off-season, people uh, continuing to to try and make better product and a better experience for visitors here. But um, an area right now, South Franklin, which is one of our, premier corridors for uh, visitors who come off the cruise ships it, it'll be a much uh... different an uh... experience uh... in another uh... by late late fall early early winter
2: mr mayor so much of what makes a city a vital and vibrant place uh... is is a function of so many things that local governments and leaders can control but there are, are a lot of things, too, that are beyond the control of local leaders. But here in Juneau, you've, you've got a lot of visitors who have come in on the cruise ships. You've got a very livable city that uh, helps to to grow and foster strong families. You've got a vibrant downtown that I'm sure is in part helped by state government and the fact that you do have, have the cruise ships that pull right up uh here, here in the downtown area. Talk to us about some of the challenges and what you think it takes to keep a place like Juno vibrant and attractive for visitors and families
0: who call this home. Well, our first advantage is where we are. Um, people who enjoy the out-of-doors, um, you don't have to drive an hour to get to the out-of-doors. Uh, it's uh, five minutes uh, any direction here. You can be in a place that is quiet, that has the sense of peace, serenity that, that comes with uh, um, uh, a forest environment, uh, a rainforest environment. So that's number one. I think second, uh, in terms of the vibrancy of the downtown, we are very compact, very walkable. And uh, that in itself, uh, I think, is inviting uh, not only to our visitors, but certainly to our locals. Um, so there is an identifiable, identifiable downtown core. Um, I think another uh, part of Juno uh, is the fact that it is uh, an arts community, and by which I mean not just the visual arts, but the performing arts. People are very engaged here. Uh, you'd, be, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who doesn't have at least a family, member who is involved in uh, either theater or some uh, instrumental group or dance group and we thrive on on events that are surrounded uh, or are around the theme uh, uh, of the arts uh, every two years we are the host of what is called celebration which is a particularly powerful event because it brings uh, people from our indigenous culture the Clinkets and Haida's of Southeast Alaska but also regions beyond to uh, come to Juno to share their dance and song traditions and to see literally uh, thousands of uh, natives in traditional regalia and the songs and the the pride that comes with walking down our streets uh, in that regalia and uh, to know that it, that culture is is, is honored and, and respected across the board all those things are part of the fabric of, of Juneau that make this uh, a wonderful place to live a wonderful place for families to, to live and, and grow
2: mr. mayor we thank you for being with us on the traveling on radio show and sharing that uh, message of, of juno to the rest of our audience out there thank you so much
0: thank you Ian. we'll stop
1: by the juno douglas city museum a cultural treasure a real hidden gem in the heart of juno as the traveling on radio show continues we'll see you right after this break
4: Making it green is making sure the air in your home is healthy for your family to breathe. Testing for radon is easy. Just call 866-730-GREEN. Make it green, green, green.
2: A message from the U.S. EPA. Where can you book all of your travel needs at the best price? Purchase the latest travel gear and get the most current and comprehensive travel news and information? Travelinon.com. That's travelin-on.com. Whether you're a seasoned traveler, novice, or whether you're planning a long trip, or looking for a weekend getaway, TravelinOn.com has the tools to complete your travel plans. Go to TravelinOn.com. That's Travelin-On.com,
0: the traveler's best resource.
1: Health officials are concerned about a new influenza virus of swine origin that's spreading from person to person. Officials are acting to combat this threat, but the outbreak could grow. Prepare now. Check with local leaders, schools, employers, and other community groups about their plans regarding an outbreak in your community. It's important for everyone to know what to do about swine flu. For details, visit www.cdc.gov slash swine flu or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from HHS.
4: With great privilege comes great responsibility.
0: Carter Fleming, Community Center Volunteer.
4: The giving spirit is as passionate in the boomers today as it was in our 20s, and we as a generation can still impact our country. Lead,
0: inspire, change the world again. Join thousands and find which volunteer opportunity is best for you. Call 1-800-424-8867 today or visit www.getinvolved.gov. This message is brought to you by the Corporation for National and Community Service on this station. Now more of the Traveling On Radio show.
1: Helping to foster an awareness of Juno's cultural heritage to inspire learning and finding a purpose for the future is the mission of the Juno Douglas City Museum. We paid a visit to the city museum and sat down with Jane Lindsay, the museum's director, to learn more about this remarkable cultural asset. Jane, welcome to Traveling On Radio.
4: Thank you.
2: Tell us about the Juno Douglas City Museum. It's quite a treasure here in the heart of Juno.
4: I think it is the jewel in Juno's crown. Uh, we're up here across from the Capitol Building. We're housed in um, a former public library built exclusively with public funds by uh, the Juno community. And our mission is to collect and interpret Juno's diverse culture.
2: Speaking of that culture, this city. For a small city has so many cultural influences because of the history, uh, starting with mining and attracting people from all over North America and all over the world, plus the Native population Absolutely. Here. Talk to us a little bit about that cultural niche and why that makes this a special kind of place.
4: Um, Well, in 1880 we were founded, Um, uh, Juneau was a fish camp for tens of thousands of years with uh, the Ak Kwan, which is a Slingit uh, group of people who lived in this area, but they did not live here. In 1880, uh, George Pilts, who was a prospector located in Sitka, sent up a couple of guys, Richard Harris and Joe Juneau, to prospect for gold. It was the gold rush was on, and everybody was looking everywhere, everybody wanted to get rich, and these guys were scouting all over. Well, through the help of an Ak Kwan elder named Kawaii, they found gold. So, men were back the next year, and um, not only did they find gold, uh, it seemed to be a good time for uh, 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 thinking out of the box in terms of technology, So our gold wasn't high quality, but the technology of the time um, made it so we could uh, process through our mills quite a bit of it and uh, make quite a bit of money. So during the turn of the century, Juno was the largest gold producing and made uh, quite a bit of money, the most money in the world, largest gold producing mine in the world.
1: Jane, I just wanted to circle back to just the cultural diversity in this area that's also reflected in your museum. You have a section called the melting pot. Tell us a little bit about that and and the types of uh, ethnic groups that are represented in in, in that
4: section of your museum. Well, um, we really are a community of diversity. And um, in this museum, we felt that it was really important to. talk about who these people are Um, and so you'll see when you come and look at that exhibit you'll actually see a chart that talks about the miners who actually came here from all over Europe um, who actually didn't even speak the same language and they some of them stayed some of them moved on and they they had their families of course so then we have a a huge European and Eastern European influence and then we have our native population of Flingit We also, because there was quite a bit of fishing and cannery operations going on, we have a very vibrant Filipino population. Mm -hmm. And then within that, we also have um, Japanese store owners that uh, ran cafes that were well-loved by the community. And then there's another uh, very treasured community story um, about a a Chinese uh, baker who uh, was here in the early mining days and his name was China Joe, that is not his Chinese name, but um, at some point um, there were rabble rousers who came from outside and uh, got rid of the Chinese mine workers um, at the turn of the century and this community actually forbid these people to um, uh, kick China Joe out of Juneau. And speaking, you know, uh, um,
1: of the uh, cultural diversity, speaking of cultural diversity, there is also um, a very strong Russian influence here uh, in in Juneau. Tell us a little bit about that and, and where that history is reflected in your museum.
4: Um, well, interestingly enough, the the Russians actually never really came to the Juno area. They were located in Sitka, but Serbian miners um, were here. And our Slingit people were being converted by various uh, religions, and Russian Orthodox was one of them. So together they built one of the first uh, Russian Orthodox churches in southeastern Alaska. And um, we actually have quite a bit of information in our gift shop about this church, and it's just up the hill from where we're located. Now, Jane, one of
2: the uh, remarkable things about about Juno itself is that it has a history as a mining city, then as an administrative center for the territory and now as Alaska's capital and when you think about these these different functions and also a city that was a trade center or a port city and still is and so you've got all of these different activities taking place in such a very small <laughs> area but it in, but it reflects the diversity of not just the economic activity as well but but a lot about what makes this city different It it has a lot going for it that Comparable places of its size would not have, and I think that gives Juno a different kind of a feel. Speak to that.
4: Well, you know, you're absolutely right. And um, in the summer, you know, there's another um, another aspect of us is tourism, and it's always been here, and it's it's increased over the last 15, 20 years. And um, and when winter comes, we. Uh, we'll take down this temporary exhibit on uh, basketball in the Gasino Channel and our solo artists and artists exhibits come up and our, our town just loves our artists and loves our culture and we love to talk about what we think about anything and everything and we also love the wilderness mm-hmm. so with all of that you get a very interesting mix and yes, we're a town of 33,000, a town, but we're also the capital city and we, we love what we do and we love it here. Speaking
2: of Juno's role as a capital city, so many over so many years have attempted to take that function away from the city, and the museum itself has a special section dedicated to that ongoing controversy. Give our listeners a sense of that history and a sense of that flavor, and how uh, how the folks of Juno kind of stand up for their town as uh, the capital.
4: Well, um, yeah, it's it's actually. Uh, it's kind of mind-boggling to think that since we've been the capital, there's been ten initiatives to move the capital, and um, just about every session uh, it comes up. And and one would think that it would be laid to rest, but uh, oh, there's um, many reasons why uh, others think that the capital should be moved, and Juno uh, tries to do its best. And, and one of the most interesting ones is the weather. Um, sometimes it's not easy to get in and out of Juno. Uh, our airport is located near the glacier. That one's pretty hard to, <laughs> that one's pretty hard to combat, except I guess in my opinion, um, technology is a great thing. So people can meet over the phone and through video streaming and whatnot. But um, yes, it is ongoing and uh, I, that's why we can dedicate a whole room to uh, Juno as the capital city and those uh, capital move issues.
1: Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, you touched on um, your your um, um, showcase. I'm, I'll start over. You touched on uh, the fact that the museum also showcased some of your local artists, and you have a wonderful initiative here that actually uh, allows you to purchase um, paintings from some of your world-renowned local artists. Talk about some of those artists and, and the paintings that you have reflected uh, or and the paintings that you have uh, uh, shown in the
4: gallery Yeah, it's pretty, pretty wonderful. Um, a banking family called the Rasmussen's who um, were bankers in Alaska started a foundation years ago and one of their initiatives is uh, for Alaskan collecting institutions who have a collecting policy um, we get a percentage of our operating budget to buy contemporary Alaskan art um, and that means they want us to look at artists that are in, within the last two to five years so here we are able to go out in the community and say to our artists we not only appreciate what you do we're going to put it in our permanent collection um, and we're going to help you make more art and i'll tell you i'm very popular with the artists, and <laughs> and of course <laughs> we take it very seriously with our mission then is this a local artist? Are they uh, well-known? Do they show? Are they professional? Are they emerging? There's, there's a lot of issues that we ask. And um, are they going to be um, something that in 50 to 100 years is in our collection and is just this wonderful piece of history? So it's fabulous. One of the
2: special things about the City Museum is that it's an interactive museum, and it's a museum that really has something for everyone of all ages. And I think one of the unique things that uh, uh, I like about the museum and and the tour that we've taken is that there are exhibits for children to kind of put themselves in the uh, life of commerce and business and industry here uh, to kind of experience that in a a first. Way. And also, you've reached out to, to the high school students here to make them part of the oral history that's now at the museum, and I think that's a very special initiative that, uh, that you've done. Talk to us about, about how the museum touches so many here in this community and, and how you're really making young people part of what you do here.
4: Well, you know, first of all, we're a pretty small facility, and our mission, maybe, you know, is our community. So, what we can do is make sure that our community is as involved as possible with our history. And um, with our students, um, when we decided to do an exhibit on capital city issues, we found over and over again when we went to teachers is, you know, what really grabs me is a story, you know, and so what is our story? Um, And then going back and looking at these students are actually studying local history. They can help us with these stories, and it means so much more.
2: And they actually do the research, and then they
4: tell the stories. Absolutely, yes. Um, And we recently just put on our website is um, podcasts of poems and poems, um, acrostic poems on discrimination and statehood. And they're quite moving. These students have written and recorded these poems. And uh, we also have uh, the podcasts available here at the museum as well when you come to visit. In the section of the museum where you talk about the
1: political history and uh, how Juno came to be, you also have a story about uh, a young woman who traveled here with her husband back in the 40s uh, by the name of Elizabeth Paratrovich, who essentially became
4: the civil rights leader for Alaska at the time. Tell us about that. Well, um, this is this is a story that we're all very proud of as Alaskans and Junoites. Uh, Elizabeth Pratovitch wasn't from here, but had come here with her husband, and um, found in the 40s the discrimination in Juneau was appalling. Um, many natives could not rent apartments, they could not find jobs, and there were signs that said no dogs and no natives. And through the Alaska Native Sisterhood and Brotherhood, an organization that had been started at the turn of the century for the betterment of Alaska Natives, Elizabeth Paratrovich made one of the most moving speeches I've ever heard about discrimination. And in 1945, uh, it wasn't a state, the territory of Alaska. and voted for the Anti-Discrimination Act, and uh, her and her husband went to the Baronoff, a local hotel that's been around forever. Um, well, it was around in the day and turn of the century, early twenties, and um, they danced the night away because they were allowed to be in that hotel after this law was passed. So, so really, uh, Alaska was kind of ahead of the, the national
1: curve in terms of civil rights. It seems like we were. And we're very
4: proud of that
2: well Jane one of the uh, things about uh, Juno is that it it is unique from a geographical perspective in that to reach this city you've got to fly here or you've got to come by sea and as a result uh, particularly sea uh, you've got a lot of cruise ships that come here and so there's a great opportunity for the visitors who, who come on the many ships that call here to visit this facility tell us about uh, about what some of those uh, some of the opportunities are for the uh, cruise ships visitors to come and when they can come?
4: Um, Sure. We're open seven days a week through the summer, um, May through the end of September. Um, And we also, three days a week, provide a walking tour. Uh, We wanted to make sure that we gave the visitor a unique experience, an hour experience, and so we uh, instituted a walking tour, and it meets through the week. It's easy to find out uh, what time, and that's at one30 But, you know, you kind of have to find us. We're uh, not mass marketed. Um, We are up the hill. We're in the historic district. And I think you have to want to know a little bit more about this community. And it's a pretty dynamic community. Mm -hmm. So many people want to go see the glacier or go take a hike, which is is fabulous or a helicopter tour or more boating Um, there's just so much to do and if you want to find out more about the community this is the place to find out more about it
2: now jane is there a website where uh, folks can get information about the museum
4: um there is we're part of the city and borough of Juno, and we're actually under the Parks and Recreation Department. And if you just put in Juno Douglas City Museum in Google, we'll come up. And um, on our site, we actually have uh, research material. We call it Digital Bob, and this was a, a historian that lived in the area and wrote uh, about Juno history for years. And these cer- these articles were in our papers, so we went back. Pulled all the articles out and put them in a searchable database, Um, and a lot of researchers and just locals use Digital Bob all the time. We also have virtual exhibits up, Um, some of our more interesting photograph collections that uh, aren't necessarily there's there's no room for them in our on our gallery walls but they they lend themselves well to a virtual exhibit you can peruse those photos as well Jane we thank you
2: so much for being with us today
1: thanks for stopping by thank you again everyone for joining us today and we look forward to connecting with you during the week on our social networks and certainly uh, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter and weekly deals from our website at travel dot com it's been a pleasure to share some travel time with you and certainly a pleasure to share one of our favorite places with you. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick and we'll see you on the air again next week. Same time, same frequency. And until then, keep traveling on. Happy
2: travels. Looking for the latest travel book? The hottest item in travel gear and clothing? Or are you researching a destination or looking into the most current travel regulations or warnings? If so, visit TravelinOn.com, your one-stop shop for travel resources. At TravelinOn.com, that's traveln oncom you can get the latest travel news and information. And shop for all of your travel needs. TravelinOn.com is your premier source for all things travel. That's traveln oncom